1: The Andy
2: J podcast. The Andy J podcast. The Andy
1: J podcast. Hey there, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. Hope you're having a great week. Now, we're switching things up a little this week. Usually, the usual format for the show is one guest more often than not for at least an hour of conversation. However, we're returning to our early days of this show. I mean, we're back into the first handful of episodes where we would bring you many guests in one hit with slightly shorter chats. Now, these chats are up to 25, 15 minutes long, depending on who the guest is. But we've got three really cool, interesting guests for you today. Uh, One of the big guests is Michel Roux, one of the legends of French, now British, cuisine. Of course, his legacy is is fascinating, and Michel is a really interesting character, and he's very, very open with me. Not just talking about running a restaurant during a pandemic and the impact of Brexit, etc., but actually much more personal than that. He also talks about losing his uncle, Michel Roux Sr., and his father, Albert Roux. All within just a few months of each other. Michel Roux Sr. died last year, and his dad died at the very start of this year, 2021. And he talks very openly about the impact of that on him as a man, as a son, as a nephew and indeed as a chef because of course Le Gavroche opened when he was seven years old by his uncle and his dad and he sort of took the reins of it when he was 31 so a huge huge impact it's not just the loss of a parent and an uncle but also mentors and business partners etc so a very interesting conversation on the way with Michelle Roux. very engaging and fun as well there's plenty of lightness within the chat too After him, we'll have Anne Hegarty from The Chase, and of course she was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in 2018, and is perhaps very well known as well for having Asperger's Syndrome, which, uh, if you know about that, having that whilst being in show business is quite a challenge. I mean, I sort of think to myself, how did she manage that? And she speaks very openly and very engagingly about it. Asperger's uh, makes social interactions very challenging, it's difficult to read, non-verbal communication and so on. So... Like I say, to, to have Asperger's in showbiz, well, let's see what she has to say about that. She will be the last guest of the day. But the first guest to open up the show, we're going to start with a bang. We're going to have a right old giggle. And it's with Jenny Eclair. Now, she's an author, a comedian, an actress. She's, I think she's best known for her stand-up. And she's on tour right now with her new tour 60, for, for flip's sake. Nearly needed to beep that. <laughs> to control myself for a minute. Um... But she's also, I mean, she's written five novels, five critically acclaimed novels, and done many other things. Jenny's just a rare sunshine and a big ball of fun. So that's what we've got on the show for you today. Jenny Eclair, Michelle Rue, and Anne Hegerty. Let's get straight into the conversation. First up with Jenny E'Claire.
2: The Andy J podcast.
1: Now I am delighted to welcome my next guest. She's a comic, an actress, an author, and I'm gonna say she's an opinion former. It's the wonderful Jenny Eclair. How are you doing, Jenny? Well, I'm a bit confused about the last um description. I wouldn't say I was an opinion former. Oh, I, I wouldn't know. say
3: that. Not really. Do you think I'm an influencer? Oh God, I wish I was. There's lots of money to be made in influencing, right? I'm going to get. I'm going to start getting some money for that then. Okay, thanks very much for that. I'll accept it. I've decided. I well, like it.
1: Good. That was. That was. I didn't even need to argue it the was point. Turn around, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was a lovely pivot. Thank you for that, Jenny. Well, if you were, I mean, obviously, influences is a bit of a new thing. They've only been around, yeah. for, Like I don't know, five or ten years. do they so. do it? How do they do it?
3: I don't understand. They have these YouTube channels, and they come home from shopping and put their shopping on the bed. <laughs> and people, Millions of people all around the world watch it, and I don't understand, and I don't understand TikTok either, and I've decided I don't need to.
1: No, you're absolutely, you're in a safe space here. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm afraid I of TikTok. I am just about
3: turn a radio on. I'm fine. <laughs> no, I'm not an idiot. I'm not a complete blithering idiot, but you know what I mean? I'm already full. I'm full of stuff. I can't have any more stuff in my life.
1: Well, also, Jenny, I mean, you've, you've cited it already. I don't quite get the fascination with people opening packages. I don't get... Why are you so pa- intrigued? I, that seems to be a thing. The, the, they call it the unboxing. I mean, yes, who cares yep. what the packaging's like? Well, the, the thing is, I've got my own packaging to, <laughs> to unpack.
3: <laughs> and I really wouldn't... I mean, more, most of mine is just boring medications, you know, uh, over-the-counter <laughs> stuff, over-the-counter <laughs> preparations. Here's I, my inhaler. I, just, I bulk <laughs> buy. <laughs> and then, oh, oh, do you want to see sort of 48 tubes of various ointments? <laughs> I bet there is a niche channel for that. Actually, yeah. I bet there would be people because I mean the world is full of hypochondriacs, myself being one of them. Oh, really? So actually, that probably yeah, yeah. I guess and there's the other one where people pop boils as well. There's that. Oh strange. no,
1: no, that's no, that's not right. I I'm, I couldn't do that. I couldn't watch the
3: world divides, else do that. doesn't it, into sort of those who can deal with that, the popping boilers. And the people who can take blackheads out of here. I've never been. <laughs> I've never been particularly interested. Anyway, it's not lunchtime, is it?
1: <laughs> no, thankfully not. We're the middle of the afternoon. We're safe. Right, we're fine. We're safe. <laughs> Unless you're having a very late lunch. But oh, I mean, you say the world divides into the two people. I mean, I've I've sort of inwardly hidden myself away from the the, the blackheads and the popping boils. But could you? Would you watch that with with Gusto? No.
3: <laughs> no, I would not. I would not. I, do you know what I mean? There's, the thing is, there are some brilliant films. There are some, I, you know, I've never really seen Casablanca properly. Properly, you know, I need. There's, there are so many other things that I need to catch up on before, you know, I run out of good stuff and end up watching boil popping and, you know, blackhead removal. Anyway, let's talk about me now.
1: Yes, yes. that's a lovely idea. I would much rather do that. Um, Jenny, we've, we've got a tour to talk about. We've got, I mean, so many things. But can we can we start at the beginning? I love to talk to people about how it all began for them. And, and your journey through to stardom is, is quite different to most, actually. I'm not sure if, if many people know this, but you, you started out in Malaysia.
3: Oh, that's uh, but that's really early days, yeah. and I have to pick you up on stardom because I'm really not there yet. I'm just sort of <laughs> a very middle ranking performer, you know. There's no stardom in my life, uh, you know. That's another thing I'm furious about. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was born in Malaya, uh, as it was, it was Malaya back then, but it's Malaysia now, because um, my dad was in the army, and uh, yes, uh, I think my mother went out on, I think it took us six weeks to get they didn't fly. She didn't fly. The wives didn't fly. They went out on boats. And I think it took six weeks. And she was pregnant, so she was just puking. And she had my sister with her as well. So she's quite tough, my mum. And, yes, she was an army wife and kind of travelled around with my dad. And we did – I mean, he came out of the army by by the time – you know, before I was 10. So uh, because it was was looking at – we were looking at boarding schools and things like that. And, And in the end, he'd had enough. So yes we did um Malaya, Singapore, Berlin, um and uh the there's uh, Barna Castle. We were in Barna Castle for a bit as well. Oh. Uh, but then How know, were your it's, eyes? It's... Pardon? How... <laughs> yes. Well my eyes are terrible actually as it is. <laughs> so I'm on I, I will be in Barna Castle on this tour. So maybe I will pop into an optician's I'm desperately, desperately short sighted, but you know, that's just it's just yeah, i'm i'm knocking on a bit i'm falling <laughs> to pieces let's face it i'm far too old to be touring far, i just lose things all the time as well I, I genuinely believe that last year we kind of went into a
1: kind of neutral mode and just didn't we didn't have to be particularly efficient did we last year well, I, I mean, it depends what you say. Some some people had to be extra efficient, you know. Some people had to had to come up with complete new ways to to do their make day job. a living. Yeah.
3: The, yeah, absolutely, yes. Well, and the, some of us just sort of lolled around, thinking, "Oh God, everything's my life is completely over. I might as well do a jigsaw puzzle." Um, so I think that I I didn't leave the house very often. So I didn't. So now that I am leaving the house. I keep losing things. I keep dropping scarves and leaving handbags in motorway service stations and having to go back for things and credit cards here and you know. All I just am not as
1: efficient. I don't think as I used to be. Now, are you? I'm curious about this, Jenny, because I, I actually I have a theory on it myself. But are you blaming the age for this, or are you blaming the sort of time out that, that the world had? And and we just
3: I'm blaming the time out. Yeah. I'm blaming lockdown absolutely because. Um, uh, you know, I mean, I I didn't get another job, um, I'm virtually unemployable, let's face it, uh, but I had enough writing work to tick over. So, you know, I just led this very quiet sort of semi-retired existence, me and the old man, um, you know, a lot of gentle telly watching, a little stroll every day. But I didn't have to do things like receipt. Oh, yeah. stuff nice. like that
1: nice you know
3: all the freelancy stuff that you have to do and you have to sort of keep on top of things and just sort of being on it and ready and uh all that sort of thing so that's been that's been i i think that's i found that not traumatic uh because there are great joys to going back uh, on tour absolutely i mean I, I it's a joyful thing, especially you know right at the beginning of the tour when uh, the first time I went on stage, a proper stage, in front of a lot of people, I mean, I really had to fight back the tears. I bet. Um, because the noise was just something that I'd forgotten, I'd missed. It was just this sort of wall of noise, and it was just really, it was so lovely. And I'm a terrible attention seeker. And, you know, I'd have been happy just to sort of clapped on the say stage and sobbed for ten minutes. <laughs> but you know, that's not what they've come to see. But, would have been a know, different review,
1: is- to be fair. The the review would have been a curious one. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's completely lost it. We, we've seen a new side to Jenny Eclair. Uh, yeah, it's not not what we were yeah, expecting. If she could just stop crying and start say, telling some jokes, it would be quite good. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, that's completely understandable. For the first time, that happened, Jenny, you? I mean, yeah, I completely get that that would have been awesome and overawing and, and all the rest of it. But but is it still happening? Is there still a sort of sense of great joy and gratitude that, that the crowds are there, the crowds are back?
3: Yeah, I mean, and I think there will be, <laughs> there will be until I turn up somewhere and there's hardly anybody there, <laughs> or you know, or or we go into lockdown again and all that sort. Of, I, it's just it's it's quite nerve wracking because nobody knows whether this is going to continue yeah. on or whatever. And I think that everybody's sort of everyone's antennae is up a bit. It's as if now and again I think is that thunder I hear in the background. Uh, there's a sort of anxiety that you just go oh right is this are we you know fingers crossed fingers crossed all that sort of thing I mean I'm I'm very well and uh, I've I've been very well throughout all this I'm double jabbed obviously mm. and um, but I'm still very you know I'm still pretty cautious um but it's it is an absolute joy to be back on stage it's even you know I haven't even been stuck in a particularly bad traffic jam yet. I mean, ask me in November when you know it's dark at three o'clock in the afternoon, and and it's t- it's tipping it down. And then it get it does get tricky, but it's a beautiful autumn, early autumn at the moment, and it's a joy to be out on the road. Yes,
1: yes. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about the tour because it is. I mean, there are so many venues you're performing. I mean, is, is there anywhere you're not going? You're, you're literally covering the country. It's brilliant. I don't think I'm doing Cornwall or Devon much. Uh, I mean, I'm not doing Ireland. and I
3: mean, it's, it's, what, it's a big tour. It is a big tour, but it's not a very heavy tour. It's about four gigs a week with a lot of travel. But the thing is, there's a lot of shows backed up because, you know, the theatres couldn't open for eighteen yeah. months. So you've got this, like, backlog. And everybody's, you know, all the comics, all the shows are all sort of champing at the bit, you know, waiting for their term to be let in, you know, let on into the theatre. So, um, you know, when people say to me, but you're not doing so-and-so, it's, it's because the theatres aren't available. The theatres, you know, are trying to spread themselves, they're, they're having to spread themselves pretty thinly. You know, there's a lot of acts and a lot of shows that are, are trying to get a slot. So I'm actually really lucky to be getting any, any theatre space at all.
1: Well, I think, you know, from, from the, the list that I've seen, and, uh, you know, anybody that wants to come and see you live, by the way, I implore you to go to com. That's the best place for for tickets, et cetera. Anybody that wants to see you live, you're close to, to pretty much everyone, apart from the, the coasts that you just mentioned. But, I mean... I think it's going to be epic. It's called "60 FFS," which, of course, means for flips' sake. On, uh, on.
3: The well, video. yes, of course it does. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, what what was the inspiration behind this one, Jenny? I ask curiously. Uh, well,
3: this one's quite an easy one. This this show is really about sort of resisting turning sixty, turning sixty in a pandemic, getting used to being sixty, and eventually um, coming to terms with being sixty and and, and realizing that actually. Being in your sixties is one of life's sweet spots, but I do quite a lot of resisting before I get to that conclusion. Um, So it's a, it's. I mean, I knew that I was going to be writing a show about being sixty potentially, Um, but then then it it coincided in some respects um, creatively quite well with the pandemic because um, suddenly I, you know, there was all this, oh, you know, you're, you're. are you celebrating 60, 60? all 60's coming, blah, blah, yeah, you're going to have a party. And you celebrate 60 sort of basically as the, pe- I, I was 60 on the 16th of March, which um, I think was the day the theatres all shut their Ooh, doors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember we went to the Picasso exhibition at the Royal Academy and that was the last day they were open. It was this very much, uh, you know, you were caught as the dominoes were falling. Uh, and that was, my birthday was bang slapping that week, and uh, my next door neighbour actually died of COVID the oh, following gosh. day. He was one of the very first um, deaths um, in in the country. Um, it, uh, he was actually 121st person to die of COVID, okay. and you know we were only made able to have a memorial service about two weeks ago. So it's it's been a trauma, and um, but that. You know, I think everyone, there have been highs and lows within it, but it, I mean, the thing about turning sixty in the pandemic that, um, a pandemic—that concerns a virus which picks on the over sixties—it sort of was quite a thing, really, yes. because yes. it's like, "Happy birthday! Welcome to your high." <laughs> yes,
1: you're now in the sweet spot. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah, welcome to the crosshairs. Oh, that's not fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this something in the build-up? Obviously, we had a sort of we had a prologue to the. To the lockdown, didn't we? Where we were seeing other countries, we were hearing noises, we were getting concerned, but it wasn't definite. So, in other words, this is the build-up to you turning sixty. You're thinking sixty; it's a landmark moment, big old party. Had you begun sort of party planning? Are you a party kind of person?
3: No, I'm not a part. Oh. You know, I do discuss that in the show. I sort of you no. Know, I'm, I'm rather shy of parties, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm not as sociable as people expect me to be. The idea of, of having a you know People expect you to have a marquee on the lawn, don't they? Well, I haven't even got a lawn, so that's, that's not going to happen. it would be difficult to do, um, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I do, I do discuss my very small themed birthday party, um, and I, but I wasn't the only person last year to uh, not have a, a big 60th birthday party. There was me and Prince Andrew. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, was, well, he, apparently you he went that. to
1: a sauna, so that was good.
3: Well, really? Well, he was February, of course. Um so he was sort of pre lockdown. So but he definitely had his big party cancelled by his mum. <laughs> that was so, my that
1: was my version of a terrible joke because he doesn't sweat. That was where I was going.
3: Oh right. Oh sorry, I didn't I, I genuinely thought I'm very, very gullible. Don't it's, honestly. <laughs> I just won't believe anything. It's so,
1: always um, it's always best when you have to explain a joke to a comic. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. But, it's a high know, point. But the for thing me. Is, comics, remember no comics don't really have much sense of humour. So we just, <laughs> It's just, we're either analysing or just going. oh, no, I wouldn't use that. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I, so, I see you've crossed that off the list. Yep, no, we're not going to yeah, use the sort of yeah. gag. No.
3: So, so, yes, it was just, I, I I sat down last year and write the as that went along, really, about, you know, how we were all dealing with it, how I was dealing with it, how, um, you know, about my parents, about all sorts of things, really. Um, so it's obviously very autobiographical, but it does look out at, at you know, how the, the country had to deal with things en masse, you know, about how what exercise we all took to and, um, you know, the, the home bleaching, the home hairdressing, <laughs> all that sort of stuff.
1: You see, early on, I called you an opinion former and you said absolutely not. And then you pivoted slightly in the influencer thing. And actually, the way you're describing the show, and I would vouchsafe the other things that, that the projects that you have and the books you've released and so on. I would suggest that actually I'm standing by my early my early announcement, because actually people look to people of profile to check that we're feeling all right, that check, to check that we're, we're doing the same. You know, and, and you sort of standing there in front of thousands of people across many, many I'm not, that,
3: I'm not doing the stadiums, honestly. I do quite small, intimate gigs. I mean, I'm around 300, 400 mark, depending on where I am in the country.
1: No, but you when add them all up. Yeah, my, my you add gigs them all up, there's still thousands.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. Unless it's oh, the, the same the, 300 the, that come yeah, sure. everywhere,
1: they follow you on the tour. That would be weird, wouldn't it? You get exactly yeah, yeah. the no, same we, audience.
3: We, we wouldn't encourage that. But that, my gigs are quite intimate. They, they feel very safe spaces. They're sort of, you know, um, centers, some are art centres, some are small theatres. I've got a couple of biggies along the way. Um, and, and next year, I think I finish off at the Royal Festival Hall. So that will be the biggest. But that's not till 2022. So I mustn't start panicking about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just plant the seed yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um it's it's you know it's an ongoing thing um you know touring is very much part of my life sitting down and writing is very much part of my life um but I have also realized over the last year that there there are other things that I like to do as well I like painting I like um you know hanging out <laughs> just like there, there's I, I do have I think that we have Uh, I have to be very careful that I don't become completely uh, work-obsessed and and sort of phobic about not working. And last year was quite a pleasant taster of what it is not to work. Uh, But obviously, I couldn't afford to do that
1: for very long. Yes. Have you, have you kind of done the maths? Have you thought, well, if I really go for it for say This years. is the
3: impossible sum, isn't it? This is the impossible sum because no, none of us have got any idea how long we're going to last. Mm. So the sum just doesn't work. It, you know, it's, I'd be fine if I've got, you know, 10 years, but I'd be skint if I had 30. It's that sort of thing. It's an, <laughs> yes. it's an unknown. You can't ever do it. It's
1: ridiculous. Yes.
3: So, um.
1: And then you don't factor I, in the leaky roof, etc.
3: Yeah, all all the all those sort of tiny disasters along the way, uh, and just now again wanting a new pair of shoes. So, yeah, it's it's. I think it has been very interesting. I would like to wave the magic wand now, though, and and sort of you know have it gone have it gone completely. I think we're all sort of bored and tired and exhausted by it.
1: Yes, we've we've had you enough. Know, yeah,
3: yeah. We really had enough. And that you know, that's it is fabulous to see people out enjoying themselves. And um, you know, long may it continue. That's that's all I can say. I, you know, and I I I quite you know, there's the the sort of hotel side of life that I'm very used to and it's just a question of checking every room I go into, making sure I don't leave a a phone charger.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> back to the good old days, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's what you need a second bag for. Extra charges. Oh yeah.
3: Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, really. I mean, I need a sort of great big lost property bag in the back of the car that's got a spare bra in and a charger and a <laughs> toothbrush and toothpaste and all those things that get scattered around the country. Yes, I need some spares.
1: Do you drive yourself around, Jenny? Is that... Is no?
3: That... No! <laughs> no! <laughs> No, that would be an absolute disaster. I'm. I've never driven on a motorway. It would take me three hours, three days to get somewhere. No, I have a very. I have a little mini Clubman, and I, I couldn't fit everything in it. Uh, no, you can't do that. I'm too old, and I'm too tired. It'd be really dangerous for me to sort of, you know, uh, do a gig in Selby and then try and get onto wherever. I don't. You, you can't. I can't do um, ninety minutes on stage, and and drive. 300 miles it's just it's it's dangerous and it's not it's not fair on me i couldn't I, and you know i'm i i have got dry eye disease so my eyes late at night are not great right. um, and no it's just i don't know anybody who really does i mean obviously when i was in the tryouts um in london i did um but it was still light i wouldn't no i wouldn't do that would be very very
1: dangerous do you have a regular driver? Is it?
3: Yeah, I've got a tour manager. Yes, I've got oh. someone who who signed up to take a sixty sixty one year old woman around the country and has just realised that he's minding a giant toddler. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's yes. See, I feel very sorry for him, but um, you know, he he's. Um, he, I mean, they're they're proper professional people. And, um, you know, they go into the venue and they sort out all the technical stuff, make sure the microphone is working, uh, all the little bits and bobs. You know, it's, mine is not a technical show at all, but um, you do need someone who knows what they're doing.
1: Well, actually, that, I think that's one of the great advantages of solo comedians right now, going into venues. Because like you say, there is a backlog. And if you were a backlog that came with an elaborate set and lighting rigs yeah. that were complicated yeah. and so on, that's going to be a, yeah. a longer wait, I'm isn't a it? I'm
3: very much a one-night stand kind of girl. I can pop in and out. Yes, there's no, there's no massive clearing up to do after me. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the state I leave dressing rooms, but you know there's usually an empty sandwich packet. But I do try to put everything in the bin. No, it's it's no. I'm I'm, I'm no trouble. I'm no trouble as a performer.
1: Yeah, love it. I love it. In and out. That's perfect. And of course, you're a critically acclaimed novelist. You've written so many. We're five five novels. You've five also, novels. Yeah, I mean that's a book of short stories. Yeah, a book yeah. of short stories. And then of course there's the the survivor's guide to menopause. I mean, you've you've not exactly been a slouch over the years, have
3: you? No, uh, the the how to um, old and wider survivors guide to the menopause came out last year. I mean, it wasn't a great time to bring a book out, but it still did well, and I'm really, really proud of it because it's it's sort of the only menopause book on the shelf that on the shelves that isn't uh, very doom and gloomy, that isn't medical, that isn't sort of trying to be gracious about the menopause. It's just a very, it's a it's a it's a comedy guide to the a sort of comedy guide, but I want it to be a handhold as well. It's, a, it's a basically saying it's all right. It's okay to be completely nuts. Um, and there's lots of, it, it, there's lots of sort of, uh, I, I hope it's a reassuring book. I hope it's funny, but I equally, I want it to be very reassuring.
1: Do you ever read, because I, I have read these bits about the book. Do you ever read the user reviews? You know, the, 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 those kind of prove purchase people who have obviously bought and read the book. Do you you ever kind of find yourself... On Amazon and stuff like that? Yeah, places like that, yeah. Have you ever...
3: Occasionally, but only when I've been drinking and it's not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not the best idea. So no, I, I tend to avoid. But I mean, you know, if it's nice, that's lovely. It not, is nice. I
1: I, w- oh, I will good. say I will simply say that because I obviously I haven't read uh, the the survivors guide to menopause at, at this stage. It's,
3: it's uh, not for you. I don't I don't quite feel
1: ready for it yet, Jenny. I'm not going to. No, lie. yeah,
3: you, you don't need it. It's not not
1: yet. But I, I mean, have... you
3: do actually. Some blokes, if they have wives who are sort of uh, embarking on the menopause, uh, quite a lot of women are saying I've made my my partner read it because. I wanted him to understand how I was really feeling, and I've had a few blokes saying, "I really, actually, it really made sense to me, made lots of things lots easier." So that's great. That's the kind of, you know, that's that's the kind of affirmation I'm after.
1: Yes, absolutely, but it's is not the sort of thing that I can stroll into a bookshop and sort of thumb through on the on the floor, you know. The, no, no. <laughs> might get a few <laughs> looks. Leave
3: dirty, great thumbprints all over it. No, you, no. But I am glad. So you've had a snoop at the reviews. I have,
1: you? yeah. They're very, very. I mean, they're very nice. They're very nice. Good, people, good. people seem good. to think it's fabulous. So you know, good. if if you reach for a rum at any point, is rum your go to drink? I've decided it is for some reason. Well,
3: oh, that would be that's very exotic. I wish I was that exotic, and if I if I could be, I would be. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm down to just very, uh, just a little bit of Chardonnay now and again. I mean, when <laughs> I say now and again, I mean every single night, but, you know, not in vast <laughs> quantities anymore. There's no but, absence um, for
1: you then? Okay.
3: No, it's it's, it's, it's it's a tragedy, isn't it? That, you know, you reach an age where the hangover is sort of, it feels like death. So, <laughs> yes.
1: And seems to last for days, actually. Uh,
3: days, days. I mean, you know, you can take a week out of your life. But it's just, it's not, not worth the hassle so much anymore it's such a shame
1: (laughs) yeah what are you doing for the next month recovering from my hangover yeah yeah yeah. yeah. not fun not fun (laughs) well I mean Jenny listen it's it seems so obvious but I'd love you to sum it up for me why should people come and see you on on tour 60 FFS why should they make an appointment to to spend some time with you because they'll they'll have just have a really nice time it'll be fun it'll be fun and I'll show off for you you don't have to do anything you can
3: just sit there and, uh, and and relax and enjoy yourself and i'll do all the work and uh and it's not that long we listen we kick off at 7:30 most shows on this tour are 7:30 you'll be home by 10 it's absolutely ideal and it's a great birthday present my tickets are not too expensive they're about 20 pounds i hope that i mean there will be some people going oh that's too expensive but you know check check me out compared to other people and i'm quite cheap so there's there's a deal for you. I'm quite cheap and it doesn't go on too long. All right?
1: <laughs> that is the dream sell, Jenny. What a joy. Brilliant. And I must say, we've now spent 20-odd minutes chatting and you've wonderful company. Thank you so much for, for chatting. Well, to it's me.
3: a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. You take care and uh, we'll talk another time. I look forward to it. I, I, I must get on. I must get on now.
1: Yes, you've got a tour to do. Good luck I've with got it. A tour
2: to do. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Have a wonderful day. All the day. very best. Okay, take care. Love that. Loved
2: that. The Andy J podcast.
1: Well, that was the wonderful Jenny Eclair. She's a right giggle. I really enjoyed her. An explosion of fun and joy. Now, then, let's carry on the conversation and switch gears a little with the brilliant Michelle Rue.
2: The Andy J podcast.
1: Well, he's the man who just makes your mouth water. He is Michel Roux. How are you doing, Michel? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, I, ju- I just called you the man who makes your mouth water. I mean, <laughs> that's...
0: <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think I've ever been called that before, but, you
1: know, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we've had a quick chat off air, Michel, and I sort of called you the chef-chef, and, I, I mean, I've spoken to enough chefs over the last 12 months or so to be able to back that up. I mean, how, how does that feel? Obviously, you've been running the Glavroche for, for such a long time now you started when you were 31 and it's you know you've set the standard consistently
0: well, that's very kind of you to say that but uh, you know I, i'm myself being a very modest uh, young man as i say um and I, I think it's just um it's just an everyday job for me it's what i do and what i love doing i don't even consider it a job um i just love making people happy by filling their tummies.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Michelle, was, <laughs> was was there ever a choice for you? Because, of course, Le Gavroche was set up when you were seven years old by your father and your uncle. And, you know, prior to that, your dad was a private chef for some sort of fabulous mm. wealthy people. Chefing was very much, it was there from the from the get-go, wasn't it?
0: Well, yes, I would say from day one, because uh, my mother went into labour whilst helping my dad in, in private house to, to cook. Uh, and then uh, the following day I was back in the kitchen uh, <laughs> with mom and dad uh, literally as a one day old baby wow um so yeah i suppose you know for me it was just a, a natural uh natural occurrence i suppose just to, to, to be in the kitchen to 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 carry on being in the kitchen and um yeah i always wanted to be a chef always wanted to be in this wonderful uh hospitality industry and uh, uh, whether i was a chef or you know or maybe front of house or you know it, my, my life would have or was destined to be around food and hospitality
1: yes i mean it's i must say i've i've been watching the new show michelle Roux's french country cooking which is available on the food network and discovery plus we'll we'll get into that in a moment michelle a lot of my listeners will have been watching you either as a judge or from various different cooking shows etc but i'm going to share this with you michelle when i see you in the kitchen it is like an extension you know you you are you flow through the kitchen the way you cook i get a little nervous watching you do things like you know pairing the pairing the oranges and you're not paying any attention you know your your knife is very sharp and you're going very quickly and it it does give me a little bit of nerves but you're you're on it uh,
0: well, I'd like to think so. I've had a bit of practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but you must have, you must have had a few cuts as well, though, because the way you're doing it, I'm oh, thinking to myself, okay, come on, that's you've you've earned that, you've earned that yeah, speed.
0: Yeah. Of course, you know that, that's part and parcel of it. You know, but, but um, you know, you you fall over, dust yourself down, and and carry on. Or in, in our case, it's sets. You, you you burn yourself or you cut yourself and stitch yourself up and, and carry on. Um, but. Yeah, it, it, it's, I suppose confidence comes with age and practice. But, you know, it's no different to a, you know, a sportsman. You know, there's practice, 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 and, you know, and then it becomes second nature and the muscle memory and all of that. But uh, it, it, for, for me, as I said earlier on, it, it, it's not a job, it's a way of life. And, uh, and, and i feel totally at ease in the kitchen doing any kind of culinary task, as it were.
1: Yes, I mean, when, when you're cooking at home, when, it, when it's just you and the missus, Mm. Is it ever a bit dull? I mean, is it ever beans on toast? <laughs>
0: <laughs> beans on toast? Are you serious? No, never ever beans on toast. I'm not a huge fan of those baked beans, actually. As an aside, um, but uh, no, no. I mean, if, if it's simple food, which it always is in the Rue household, it's nothing. Nothing fancy, or nothing. Uh, normally, nothing expensive either. Um, it, it, it's just good wholesome food, you know, cooked well um, and cooked caringly. I mean, you know, I take care even if I'm making a piece of toast. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just, painful. small details. Um, and, um, you know, that that's important. And great ingredients as well. And great ingredients doesn't necessarily mean expensive ingredients. It just means, you know, well-sourced and, and quality, you know, sort of uh, uh, seasonal ingredients.
1: Yes, that, that's something that... I must say watching you sort of delight over the over the quality of the food you're using, mm. you know, that we, we see you, for example, you visit a, a farm which has been brilliantly, the courgettes that you, you find, oh, the, the yeah. way they've been grown with such intelligence by the farmer, you know, he's planted certain, mm. certain other crops around it to stop wasps and ants yeah. and so on. I mean, it's anti-pesticide growth and it, it seems very clear from watching you that you can really taste the difference
0: absolutely well you can taste the difference and uh, you now obviously this this was filmed in france but you can find that in the uk as well there are there are more and more of these little uh farm uh, farms that are, that are uh, growing food the right way uh and not intensively reared uh, animals for example as well uh, so yeah it, it, that's really pleasing that's something which um which we should have applaud and i think as consumers we should encourage by uh, buying, you know, their products and going to the local farmers' markets or um, local independent shops, and, and you know, spend a few pennies extra, to get great ingredients and uh, promote the, the the right way of growing or, or producing our food.
2: Yeah,
1: no. It's. It, I tell you what, there are lessons throughout the show. It's not just. It's not just watching you cook fabulous food. It's. It's the backdrop. It's the. It's the mm. vibe, actually, that that you create during the show. <laughs> it's so. low. I mean, it makes me want to move to France. I, I miss. <laughs> I miss holidays now, <laughs> Michelle.
0: <laughs> well, it was a particularly beautiful part of France, and it's, it's one that's very uh, dear to my heart. The south of France, Provence. Um, I have a house in the Ardèche region. Uh, and um, and my wife's family are all from down there. So no, i spent a lot of time there, and, and it is a particularly beautiful part of France, I must say.
1: Yes, uh, although I, I was also sort of... I've paid quite close attention to how many desserts or puddings that you have consumed in, in your time. Now, obviously, <laughs> I've seen a few in the show, but over the time that, that you have been a chef, you must have... I mean, I've seen the source of sugar and the double cream you're using, and I'm thinking to myself, mm. how are you staying so light? How is it that you're mm. staying... So- well, nineteen marathons, mate, isn't it? That's that's the, that's the secret, right?
0: It, it, it's it's pretty extreme running marathons to keep slim. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> granted, uh, but you don't need to run marathons, of course. Uh, you know, just regular exercise is really important. Um, and uh, I, I don't actually sort of purposefully look at what I eat in a you know, you know for my diet. I just, well, I, I never drink sweet fizzy drinks or anything like that. In fact, I can't stand the taste of them. I can't don't understand the point. Um, I, I don't. Drink, you know, milk and tea, or 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 anything like that. I don't, I don't put sugar in my drinks either, um, and that's just because I don't like the taste of it. But I do like a good pudding for sure, and and I like to indulge in a bit of double cream on my pudding as well. Um, and I love butter and you know cheese. But I think you know in moderation and as part of a balanced diet and daily exercise, you, you know, you won't put the pounds on.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, also with your job, to be fair, you're on your feet Mm. an awful lot of the day. I mean, something like 13, 14 hours in in the kitchens, isn't it?
0: Mm, Yeah, you're you're right, Tom. I mean, I am super active and uh, uh, as well as daily exercise, uh, yeah, I'm on my feet and uh, I'm I'm burning off calories (laughs) all day long. There isn't an, an idle moment, that's for sure.
1: Yes, and yet we have seen a few plus size chefs that, you know, that are are quite, uh, quite successful as well. So I I would suggest that the running is an assistant for you, Michelle, if you don't, if you (laughs) you don't mind me adding. (laughs) It's one of those things you can't can't hide from it. Just, just accept it. It's (laughs) yes. It's the the superhuman nature of it. Um, Michelle, can I, can I talk to you about the last sort of, I don't know, 12, 16 months? It's, it's not been easy for, for, for a number of reasons for yourself, for, the restaurant business and there's <clears throat> there's two things in play really if you don't mind me i'll bring them up very mm. delicately there's the pandemic and then of course there's the loss of two very important men in your life uh, mm. it, it hasn't been fun on any level has it
0: no that's for sure i mean uh, obviously losing uncle at the very very beginning of the pandemic um and uh, and then dad just just at the end well hopefully we think you know, it's the end of the pandemic uh, or end of the the, the last lockdown Um, Yeah, I mean, two titans of the industry, two pioneers um, and leaders, uh, and um, they have trained so many young British chefs and uh, influenced uh, the cuisine in in the UK uh, to a point where um, people now come to the UK to, to eat not just go and visit Windsor or, or, or go to a museum and see a show. They actually come and seek out great food. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think that, that is a, an amazing legacy. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. It's, um, it, it is a great loss, but let's not forget about the wonderful work that they did. And, of course, that they had an amazing life. And, mm. you know, they, they lived life to the full, and, and the last thing they would have wanted was for us to, to mope around and mourn um, they would have rather us uh, raise a glass and uh, you know to, to their wonderful life and their their great achievement.
1: It's very nice. Um, to hear but then, of course,
0: that. yeah. Well, well, well. It's, it, it is. Yeah, it is one hundred percent true. And and the one one gift that they have given you know to uh, myself, uh, Anna, my cousin, uh, and to my daughter as well is, is that sort of love of food, love of the hospitality industry. Um, and the love of teaching and giving back, because you know that is so important, so so important to share our recipes, share our love and our passion for for what we do on a daily basis. And um, I, I think that you know that's vital as well. That's key, and maybe even more so now, coming out of this pandemic, with um, uh, and with the dreaded B word, the Brexit word, <laughs> um, where we're facing even more challenges. So we have to be even more passionate about what we do. Um, and because uh, there are challenges, and, and not just in our industry, and it's challenges up and down, uh, up and down the country for all all sorts of industries. So we've got to knuckle down, and we've got to get on with it, and uh, and do our best
1: Hello, I'm Amber. I work with the team that bring you this show and the Driven Chat podcast, and we love that you're listening. It would be really cool if you could just chuck us five stars, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thank you. The
2: Andy J. Podcast.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I I read a piece that you'd written yourself, Michelle, uh, a few months ago, where I believe you addressed the the fact that you did consider at one point, I'm not saying you lingered on it, but you you did consider, should we just stop now? Should we just just shut up shop?
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that was lockdown one uh, after a few months uh, or a few weeks of it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, seriously, considering... Uh, just, just, yeah, putting the key under the doormat and saying goodbye to it all. I mean, it, it, it's just, yeah, the, the, the pressures of, of running a, a business. And, and you know, I consider myself a small business. It is a, you know, it's an independent business. It's not a chain. It's not massive by any you know stretch of the imagination. Uh, the, the the restaurant itself, you know, the Gavroche is a, a seventy five seater, it's, it's, it's small. Um, but yeah, they're very, very difficult decisions. Very, very difficult. But uh, you know, we're still here. We're, we're fighting, and um, it, it's not easy. It's uh, it's challenging. But we're we're in an all right position now. Uh, there are many restaurants that haven't reopened. Many businesses that haven't been able to reopen. Uh, and there are many that are you know on uh, you know on the borderline. And um, as much as the pandemic has taken away lives and still does, and, and it is absolutely tragic. Yes. Um, there are many livelihoods as well that are, are being now taken away through businesses failing.
1: Yes, and, and actually, from a restaurant perspective, I think what a lot of people don't realise, and, and I didn't realise this when I st- until I started looking into it, is that, of course, when you think of a restaurant such as yours, such as Le Gavroche, it is, to the layman, it's about you. It's your name, you know, across the mm. top of the door. What they don't realise is not just the other People that accompany you in the sh- in in the kitchens, or the people that mm. serve the food, but the whole infrastructure, the people that are providing the produce, the doorman, and so Absolutely. on and so forth. There's a huge number of people. I know you say it's just a seventy-five seater, but actually that impacts many many families, doesn't it?
0: Oh, it does, and there, there, there is a ripple effect. Um, and uh, all you know, all the deliveries, uh, uh, all our suppliers, and some of which are very very small businesses as well. Um, and, and yeah there's, there's a huge ripple effect. I mean, even bin collection and well, once we're shut the, the the collectors are, the guys who were collecting the rubbish well there's no rubbish to collect so they're out of the job you know and there's a huge huge ripple effect uh, it's funny actually you know, as a slight aside um, I, I was going to my dry cleaners just down the road from where I live here in South London and um, uh, been there for about 40 years and they were packing up and I said my well, word what's happening and they said well we can't afford the rent anymore I said well landlord has put the, the you know the price up and I said no 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 that, We're just not working anymore. People are working from home and therefore they're not getting dressed in their lovely white shirts or suits or whatever. And nobody was going out during lockdown, so there was no need to get dressed up. So they they just couldn't afford the rent anymore. So There is a huge ripple effect from this pandemic um, and uh, it's going to take a while to sort
1: itself out. Yes, it is. Well, Well, let's hope when all is said and done, people can get back to it and get thriving again. I mean, is your sort of hunch that you... You know, I could. I know you can't speak to the wider population and to to restaurateurs in general, but for you personally, is your hunch that that things will be okay, that the recovery will will follow, and and everything will be all right? Oh
0: gosh, I mean, like everything, it, you know, it uh, it will take time, um, but. There's certainly a huge appetite, if you pardon the pun, to go out and have fun yes. and go to restaurants, which is amazing. It's great. And, um, you know, our, our, we're, we're fully booked for the next three months and, and you know, we can't spare a table. Um, but sadly, I've had to close lunch um, because of, of shortage of staff. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd love to be open up on, on full capacity. Um, and and be able to uh you know to, to, to meet demand um but i can't and and a lot of other restaurants are doing the same and hotels too so you know we could kickstart kick this economy you know the uh, uk plc we could kick start it um but sadly we're, we're hamstrung and we can't no, um, because of lack of labour, lack of um, lack of
1: staff. Yes, and I'm and I'm guessing part of that is the B word. Without getting too political,
0: <laughs> part of it is is definitely the B word. Yes, absolutely, a very big part of it. Oh dear.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't think this one through, isn't it? Anyway, there we are, Michelle. We, <laughs> we better not dwell on yeah. that because uh, people no. people will write in and tell me off. So
0: <laughs> yeah, but but you know you, you know it, it is it is actually I mean it is a that There's no hiding from it. But um, you know, I'm ever the optimist, and it will sort itself out. It will ultimately. Uh, sort itself out. It may take a little bit longer than we initially thought.
1: Yes, yes, but we need to show that true grit, that British spirit, and, and keep on going, I guess. That's the uh, Absolutely. that's the mantra, isn't it? Speaking of that, <laughs> that, that British spirit, we can also add some classic French cuisine with a lighter modern twist, and we can Ooh, do yes. so at home. I mean, this is the thing that I've found. Watching you is so educational, Michelle. I'm an, an atrocious uh, – well, I can't call myself a, sh- a chef – cook. I'm an atrocious reheater of food. But watching <laughs> you you make it look so easy. And I realise that obviously that you've been doing this forever. But nonetheless, they're very simple. The, 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 yeah. the meals you're cooking, they're not, they're not challenging. I'm sitting there going, well, I can do this. I just need to watch this three or four or 60 times and I'll get it, you know.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, that, that was one of the reasons why you know, I, I wanted to do this show as well, was to, to kind of debunk the myth. That French cuisine is, is complex, is rich, um and, and complicated and difficult and you know, all of that. Um uh, uh, you know, actually at its very heart, French cuisine is very similar to Italian cuisine. It's based on seasonality, on great ingredients and not messing around with it too much. Um and the, the style of food that I'm cooking on this show, uh, French country cooking, is exactly that. And it's just Type of food that I cook at home, um, especially on holiday So, um, yeah, I mean, most recipes, uh, I would say, in fact, all of the recipes are definitely achievable um, and guaranteed satisfaction because they are absolutely delicious and they're great. A lot of them are great French classics um, and and really effective. You know, I mean, like the omelette souffle, for example. I don't think you, yeah, yeah, that's, that's coming up later on in the show. But the omelette souffle, is, is it's just an omelette, but it's pimped up. And my word, it gives 110% satisfaction, and it looks great. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 you know, it's like a party trick. You, know, you think, oh, we're just having a little omelette. Oh, well, actually, it's a little omelette souffle. Ooh, you know. And <laughs> but, uh, So there's, there's lots of little things like that. And and stuff as well that I was brought up on that, um, uh, that was cooked at home by my mum. So yeah, it's, it's just good, good food, but it's
1: homely food, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, 100% satisfaction it's a lovely watch as well I must say it's a very engaging show uh, and I have now promised my missus that I'm going to have a run at, at your interpretation of and I'll put this delicately bread and butter pudding
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that is good that is a really good one. I, I used to love that one when uh, when my mum used to make that as well and, uh, actually as an apprentice we used to make it as well and, uh, I worked as an apprentice in uh, Paris in a pastry shop uh, and that was a uh, that was a favourite of mine to make that one. I, mean, I used to love the smell of that as it was coming out of the oven because you could smell all the bread and the brioche and, uh, and croissant because we used to put brioche and croissants in it instead of bread and, uh, and vanilla as well. Oh, gosh, that was good. Yes, it,
1: it, I could almost smell it coming out of the screen, Michelle. And I mean, you had, <laughs> you had me at brioche and then you added rum and I'm like, right, yes, done. Yay. We've got to win. I'm going to try this one. I can do it. Because <laughs> so, even if I fail, the component parts are going to be great. So, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I'm all in. I'm all in. I love it. Michelle Roux's French Country Cooking. It's on the Food Network. It's out now. And of course, the other thing is, it's also on discovery plus which means you can stream it straight away exactly whilst you're cooking <laughs> that's perfect well i well this is the best thing for me because like i say i'm going to need to re-watch a few times i can't i'm not one of these naturals i'm not going to pick it up straight away but i'll get there and you've inspired me to do it so michelle i really appreciate it thank you very much for your company today
0: thank you it's been a pleasure to talk and uh, yeah happy cooking
1: Thank you I'm, I'm on it I'm, I'm gonna I'm going for it. you've inspired me. Uh, Michelle thank you so much what a, what a joy I sincerely hope that everything falls back into the place that we need it to and let's just keep going
2: I guess yeah, absolutely and we are we're never going to give up. The Andy J. Podcast, and that was Michelle Rue
1: for you. Really liked him. What a lovely fella! Now, last conversation. This is this is the shortest of the three. Uh, it's only about fifteen minutes long, but it's really good fun, very engaging, and actually really fascinating. This is Anne Hegarty. The
2: Andy J. Podcast.
1: I'm delighted to welcome my final guest for the show. She's a lady known as the governess. You know exactly who it is already. I'm so thrilled to welcome Anne Hegarty to the show. How are you doing, Anne?
4: I'm absolutely fine.
1: How are you? I'm alive and kicking, thank you. Uh, Do you know what? When I knew we were going to be chatting, Anne, I immediately started thinking, okay, I've obviously got to have really good questions for you, and I've come... (laughs) I've come up with nothing, Anne. What can I do? It's it-
4: uh, Well, I mean, that makes a nice change because most interviews are people asking me quiz questions. And <laughs> so that will actually very, be very original. It'll or be a sign that you've thought about
1: it. <laughs> well, I, I did make a list of questions I could ask you. And then I thought, I bet this happens all the time. Do you get... Absolutely. Do you get stopped in the street <laughs> with random people just trying to catch you out with things?
4: Uh, I guess. In the street, it's not usually people actually sort of asking me questions. It's generally, "You're that lady off the telly, can I have a selfie?" So that that happens quite a lot.
1: Is that do you, uh, do you, do you like that side of the of the job?
4: Well, it is nice. Yes, I mean, you know, it's lovely that so many people like it. I, you know, the ratings are just getting better and better, uh, and uh, it's absolutely fantastic. We've got uh, the new series of um, Beat the Chasers launching tonight. Um, just trying to check the time. Eight thirty. Eight thirty tonight. Brilliant. So everyone can watch
1: that. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. And have you noticed that, because obviously when when you kind of burst onto the scene, as it were, in, in the public's <laughs> perception, because everybody in the world forgets that famous people had lives before and forgets <laughs> that they had a journey to get to celebrity. But obviously <laughs> when you became sort of known to the UK, it was very much as this sort of super brain mastermind on the chase. And yeah. and that's how people saw you. You know, the lady with all the answers Unbeatable, brilliant, fantastic. But then everything changed, at least in my view, on the public perception of you when you went into the jungle. Did you find yeah, so there was a sort I'm of step a change? Crying and
4: saying, Look, "I can't do this all. I got mealworms in my bra." And, uh, and everyone went, "Oh, she's so brave." And I thought, "No, I'm not being brave. I'm being pathetic. I'm being far more pathetic than I expected to be, and I'm ashamed of myself." <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it, it's nice if everybody else quite liked it. I, I would have liked to be a little bit less sad, to be honest.
1: Well, that's fair enough. But but but, have you found what I'm meaning? Really, is you know, you've you mentioned you get stopped in the street and so on, as as many famous people do. But have you found <laughs> that there there has been a different approach since people have got to know more about you? If you see, yeah,
4: you a little bit more. Um, more more and more people recognise my name. They actually know me as Anne Hegarty. Um, as opposed to the governess. Yes. Uh, I mean, not Jeremy Clarkson. Obviously, he has no clue who I am. But increasing <laughs> numbers <laughs> increasing number of people do actually seem to recognise the name, and that's nice.
1: Yes, I'm assuming you're not too bothered that Clarkson wasn't wasn't completely familiar with uh,
4: you. No, I'm a big Clarkson fan. Actually, I'd love to meet him. I'd like to be a star in a reasonably priced car. Except, of course, he's not doing Top Gear anymore.
1: No, he's not. But really? there are, there are other vehicles available. So you know, you there's, oh, there's oh, plenty. No. Of, how is your driving, Anne?
4: Oh, rubbish, actually. I'm really terrible. I mean, I would take several hours to go around that track. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't find second gear. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm sort of quite cautious and nerdy. Um, and uh, I did actually pick up two tickets in one day uh, about a couple of months ago. Oh. Uh, but that was because I was late for something.
1: <laughs> so you, you, um,
4: I yeah. also have this tendency to be late for things. So um, <laughs> normally I'm really normally I'm good. I don't speed, uh, and it infuriates people behind me. Um, but um, no, I, I'm sort of one of these quite cautious little old lady drivers, um, and I um, struggled to parallel park. Um, and um, yeah, I'm kind of a typical old lady driver. Drive a Honda Jazz. Yeah, Old nothing, lady car.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with no, that at all. I'm going to get a new one. Yeah, good for you. And <laughs> picking up two tickets in a day, Anne, I mean, that's impressive. Was that flashing or were you being followed by the police?
4: Uh, in both cases, uh, it was just cameras. One was speeding and the other one was um, sitting in a, uh, um, a box junction. Oh dear. And, you know, I know perfectly well I shouldn't have done either. I was probably aware at the time and I was just feeling frazzled. I'm in favor of, um, you know, people not breaking rules. So, you know, I'm not questioning anything.
1: No, no. Well, you, you, you know, you did the crime. Now you're doing the time. Fair enough. You got the points.
4: Yes, well, absolutely. Yes.
1: yes. Yes. These things happen. Uh, and I'll ask this delicately because we're, I'm about to talk to you about pantomime and I'm aware right. because you made it very sort of very clear to the world. You've been very clear about how you have Asperger's. And yes. this has got me thinking about what it's like for you as a performer, given that you have Asperger's, which I mean, for anybody that, that knows it, it's sort of, it makes social interaction quite challenging, doesn't it?
4: Well, it does, but I mean, it is easier if you have a script. Right, um, you know, I sort of know how to to deal with um, Jack once he's sort of arrived at the top of my beanstalk, as it were. I really can't <laughs> feel the clean, I think of cleaning about putting that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, if I've got a script and I know my script, um, I'm not a terribly good actor. I try to be. Uh, I think I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm talented, but I'm uh, still, you know, compared to real actors, I mean, I'm very untrained and very inexperienced. But obviously what I'm hoping is going to happen is what always does happen, that I'm surrounded by really good professional actors who, you know, manage to make me look good.
1: I love it. Well, I mean, you're sort of no stranger to pantomime. You've done, I've, I've right. lost I've been doing
4: it since 20,
1: 2014
4: was yeah. my first one. So you've got a fair and few the belt. I've done panto every Christmas, including last Christmas when I did an online panto um, that we filmed in uh, North Wales, Um, and that had uh, a load of people. Kerry Katona was in that one, Um, and and that was fun. Um, And I also I did an Easter panto, touring Easter panto in 2016. Um, So yeah, I've done. This is going to be my third Jack and the Beanstalk. I
1: love
4: it. And my character has had a different name every time. But I'm always the baddie.
1: Well, yes. Now, we need to get onto your character, but I I have to ask you, because pantomimes seem to me, and you, with your knowledge, you'll probably correct me, but they seem to be such a great British tradition. Is it something... Oh, they are. When when you got the call, first time round, 2014, to to be in Panto, is it something that, because you'd experienced some wonderful Pantos as a kid, you just thought, I have to do this? Do you have... It
4: was more just this feeling of, you know, this is a thing famous people do. I really just thought... (laughs) I I craved fame, you know, I just thought, right, this is what we do, so uh, so I did the banter, and I'd always wanted to act, I mean, I acted at school, uh, and then not really since, Uh, but I'd always thought, you know, wouldn't it be really cool to be offered something like that, so I was like, yeah, I mean, I was really bad in that first one, I was missing cues and everything, Uh, but I was doing my best, and I, you know, I have got better.
1: It's part of the fun, Anne, isn't it? You know, this if it's if it's perfectly polished, then the audience doesn't see that the sort of excitement and madness of it. I mean, that is the beauty of panto. It's it's interactive craziness, isn't it?
4: Well, there is that. I loved the occasion about um, three years ago when the comedian managed to get stuck in a giant cake. I mean, he was he was supposed to be in the cake and he was supposed to get out, you know, with, with some difficulty. But on this occasion, he literally couldn't get out at all and one of the stage hands had to come and help him out. So, yeah, that, I did enjoy that bit. That was fun.
1: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm sorry to bring this back to us, Burgess, but I just wanted to say the fact that you are pioneering this, you're doing this, I mean, this is a big thing for for other people that have Asperger's. If they see you stepping out there, I mean, would you say it's brave? Because it strikes me as being very, very impressive.
4: Not terribly. I mean, I think one advantage I have over a lot of people um, as a chaser or or as anything else, I don't tend to suffer from nerves unless I'm doing something way outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, poncing around on the stage in front of people, that's not out of my comfort zone. I'm okay with that as long as I don't actually forget my lines. Um, you know, I, I can do that. And there are so many people who say to me, "I could never be a chaser because I could never, uh, you know, I, I would never have the, I would break down in tears in the middle of the final chase, or, or you know, I, I, I would, um, I, I couldn't bear for people to comment on me on social media." And I'm like, "Oh well, no. Well, in that case, you better not be a chaser because yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know that kind of that that's that's part of it. You do need thick skin, and I have grown thick skin."
1: Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Now let's let's talk about Mrs. Blunderbore, because you mentioned it's mm. it's Jack and the Beanstalk, new character name. You are playing right. I love this. You're playing the wife of the giant.
4: I am, yes. I haven't yet found out who the giant is going to <laughs> that be. That was my next question. Uh, or- Whether there's... I I don't know yet. Um, I've yet to be introduced to to most of the cast, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Whether the giant is going to be an actual person, or whether they're going to be uh, a sort of enormous robot or something, or whether it's going to be Mark LeBet in disguise, I'll be very surprised if that happens.
1: You probably know <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if that was the quite, case.
4: <laughs> I don't quite know how they're going to do that, but the last Panto I did, I actually ended up turning into a ginormous dragon. So, uh, wow. you know, if they can do that. Uh, it's a different it's a different company, but, you know, if Panto producers can do that, I'm sure they can provide me with a
1: giant.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, Annie, I mean, let's think about it. Who, Given we don't know yet who the giant is going to be, who would be, <laughs> who would be your dream giant?
4: Oh, wow. Um... Uh, can I say David Haye again?
1: You are <laughs> the one very wanted, welcome to the say. One David I wanted
4: again. to lick all over. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, there are some. Uh, yeah, you know, if we're talking about sports guys. I mean, Dave Batista from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Wouldn't yeah, that be cool?
1: That's a good shout. Uh, yeah, Drax. Yeah, I love like um, that.
4: Absolutely, I love Drax. Such a nice bloke. <laughs> um, uh, no, he is. He's, he's wholesome. He is. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, I don't have Mark the bet. How about Richard Osman? That'd be cool. We'd also, have to sort of bulk him out a bit, but so yeah,
1: he's about the same height. He's the right yeah. sort of height, absolutely. Yes. Now I could see that. Or, or, or some
4: enormous basketball player that I can't think of the name of because I'm rubbish at sport. Well, you could have um, like a
1: Derek Rodman type character. Ah, uh,
4: is he the... Dennis Rodman, is he the Dennis well done. He's, he's friends with the, the guy who runs North Korea or something.
1: <laughs> that's, um, that's right, yes. <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Yes, yeah, they called him Derek, didn't they? Dennis Rodman, yes. Yeah, you
4: did. Yes, yeah, See, I yes. know something
1: about sport. Well done. Um...
4: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, if he was a giant, I think
1: I'd probably sort of help Jack myself. <laughs> <laughs> and have, have you seen the script yet, Anne? Is it obviously, this is so it's, it's going to yes, be on the 10th um, of December. I should make it clear. You're at the Beck Hayes Theatre on the 10th of September, right. running for the whole of December, finishing on the 2nd of January. And That's it, right, yes. You haven't seen the script, but but you've experienced a panto. It'll
4: be here in, in a few weeks, I imagine.
1: It's going to be funny. It's going to be silly. It's going to be great, mm. isn't it? It's going to be a, lo- a family friendly, lovely night out of the theatre. That's that's how we're absolutely. Supposed to absolutely. It,
4: it? It's by uh, it's by the biggest panto company in the world, and they absolutely know what they're doing. It's the first time I've actually worked with them, so I'm very much looking forward
1: to that. Brilliant. Well, you said you don't get excited. Well, you don't get nervous, but are you are you excited? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I always am. Panto's always nice. And the thing is, it's actually always nicer doing the panto than it's rehearsing it. Because when you're rehearsing it, there's all sorts of possibilities and the script just becomes enormous. And you feel as if you're doing five pantos in one. And then over the rehearsal period, everything just gets whittled down until you've actually got sort of 90 minutes, two hours of actual show. And then you know what you're doing and you you get a handle on it. And then it's fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then you could just enjoy it and let loose. Brilliant, brilliant. And I I wish you all the very best. I think it's going to be great fun. I can't wait to find out who the giant is. I'm going to be keeping a close eye. me neither. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see if it's any of the lads that we've already mentioned and I'll know whether you're feeling happy or a little nervous then. Absolutely. Brilliant. And have a wonderful day. I hope you go on to have a joyful day and thank you so much for talking to us.
4: Thank you. Thanks very much indeed.
2: Podcast.
1: So, Anne Hegarty there on the Andy J podcast to close out our trio of guests for the week. A bit of a change, like I say, to usual, but if you're a regular listener, you'll know that we bring you long conversations and sometimes little snippets of fun. And this was one of those weeks. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've got as much out of the show as I did from making it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, next week, I think we will be bringing you that long promised deep dive with explorer par excellence, Levinson Wood. And that is not to be missed. Thank you very much for your company. Have a great week. Go well. Make someone smile. And I'll catch you on the flip side.
2: Bye bye. The Andy J podcast.